0: Thank you, Philly. Wow, I've never, been re- <laughs> I've never been referred to as an international sensation. There you go. That's why I'm an international sensation. I break things up. Happy New, Happy New Year. How are you all doing? I know some of you are thinking, wow, I came to church, I heard there's a great, good looking pastor, and then you find an African who you can't even understand what he says. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So sorry for that. I hate when that happens when I go to a church and I'm expecting to find Kenton Bishaw and I find some other dude. You know that's not fun. Um, but I love you guys and I love this place. Um, and why I love it is because you guys are always so warm and welcoming and open, and so I feel very comfortable. So thank you. I appreciate that. I've also heard that God has been doing some amazing things. Now we've got three services. In this place. How cool is that? So I'm here to tell you that you ain't seen nothing yet. Can you tell somebody you ain't seen nothing yet? You guys have to talk back to me. Otherwise, I'm going to come right where you are. Tell them you ain't seen nothing yet. Good. And here's a little word of encouragement or caution. That when God starts doing some amazing things, there's also the enemy working. And one of the ways he works is to bring division division and divisiveness. So my encouragement to you as a church is to stand together, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder. A cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. So I pray, and I know that as you do that, God will do some marvelous and amazing things in and among you. Now, by a show of hands, how many people are about New Year's resolution people? Any people who make New Year's resolutions? By a show of hands, let me see you guys. Okay, good. I like that. How many are not New Year's resolution people? Okay, great. How many of you are like me who believes that the new year begins with your birthday? (laughs) March 17th? (laughs) You know, no matter where you are in that spectrum um, of life, whenever we get to the new year, you always get a sense of a restart or a redo or let's try this again, all right? I think that's a sense we all get in some way or another. And some of you will tell me, hey, Christian, remember that... I have made so many mistakes, maybe I've blown a marriage and maybe I've done something that there's no restart for me. My encouragement for you this morning is that while you might not be able to go back and start again, you can start today and have a brand new end. Amen. Now, the new word for amen in church is so good. Can somebody say so good? good. Your current chapter does not have to be your last chapter. Can somebody say so good? So, we're going to go with this so good thing. Are you hearing that? Okay? Can I hear it again? So good. Your current chapter does not have to be your last chapter. Today, my desire and my prayer for you is that you identify a situation in your life. Just think of one thing for a moment. Think of one thing in your life that is challenging right now. What's one thing that is challenging you right now? Because my desire for you is as you listen and you hear this message that you will look at that one thing through the lenses of this story. And I pray that somebody in this room will take a step of faith. And as you take the step of faith, God will perform a mighty thing in your life. This is a message about faith. And faith is not about knowing the end. Faith is taking a step when you don't even know what the end is. It's kind of me stepping out here without knowing that there's something to hold me. That's crazy talk. It's desperate. It's crazy. So we are going to look at that story. We're going to look at a story. Now, most of you know that I'm born and raised in Africa, in Kenya. And Africans are storytellers. You know, we don't write too much. We're not good at our penmanship. But we tell stories. Our history was passed down through storytelling. All our moral lessons were taught to us about through just stories about some hyena that is cunning or some hare, which you guys call the rabbit, that is clever, or some lizard that will hold your hair and stuff like that. We were told crazy stuff. And the story that I'm going to talk to you about is a story that will sound a little bit African, a little bit crazy. But in there, there's some nuggets, there's some gold that you can get. And as you use that situation that you've identified, look at that in the lens of this story. And I believe that God is going to do something powerful and beautiful in your life. See, somebody has said, somebody has said that the death we face in our age is not a death of morals, but a death of faith. We have failed to believe that there's a God who orders and directs things. And so what we've done is that we've taken control of our lives. We believe that God is not moving. We don't see that God is moving. And so what we do, we take control of our own lives. This story is going to explore that. So I'm going to look at this story, Second uh, Kings chapter 7. We're going to, start, we're going to read the first two verses, and then we're going to continue from there. Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, about this time tomorrow... A seer of the finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Somebody say, what? (laughs) Exactly. What's a seer, and what's the finest flour? You guys will get in a minute. You'll be excited about flour, I promise you. Um, And the officer, on whose arm the king was leaning, this is an advisor or a counselor, said to the man of God, "Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? And he was told, you see it with your eyes, answered Elisha, but we will not eat any of it. Here's the beginning of the story. We hear about Elisha talking about this crazy stuff. Now, context is everything. If you go back to chapter 6 of Second Kings, you find the context of it from verse 25. This is one of the most difficult, most desperate times in the whole of Israel's history. It was so appalling that they had degenerated to the most craziest human depravity. Here's what I mean by that. There's this country, Israel, the northern kingdom. It's in this place known as Samaria. Now, at that particular time, they had rebelled from God, and so God's hand had told them, what God had told them, all right, you have it your way. Because of having it their way, taking control, what, God, what, what, what happened is that there was an enemy led by King Ben-Hadad Uh, an enemy uh, known as Syria. And Syria surrounded Israel. So Israel is in Samaria. They're surrounded by the enemies. And so there is starvation, there is inflation. And what happens is that it gets so bad that they're starved that a head of a donkey, the head of a donkey is sold for what would be about $50. Now, ordinarily in that culture, you would not eat donkey. I don't think they enjoyed donkey eye burgers, you know, those those days. But it was so bad, the starvation, the famine was so bad that they were now eating not just the donkey, but even the head of a donkey. You don't want to eat the head of anything, do you? But this is how bad it had gotten. Now, as if that's not enough, it had gotten so bad that if you look at the King James Version, it says that a dove's dung, the excretions of a dove, were sold for $3.00. So bad. So bad. And it gets even worse. And this part is actually very goring. Because the king of Israel is walking and looking at his people who are besieged. And a woman walks up to him and tells him, hey, king, I've got a problem. What's your problem? Says, we decided, my friend and I, decided they we're going to eat our children. And so we boiled my child today and we ate But the woman will not allow me to boil her son and eat them. They had gotten to the most dastardly desperation of any human depravity. Now, compare that with your situation. There's a situation in your life that is so hard that is so difficult. It wasn't as bad as this where people had gotten into starvation eating donkey and dove dove poop. You know? And to the point of where they were now eating Their own children. Talk about desperation. Hard times, most difficult moments. You see, at this particular moment, the people were in a place of total desperation and dismay. But here's what happens. The word of God comes. So the king is so infuriated that he decides, I'm going to go after Elisha. And going after Elisha is like going after God as though, as to tell God that I'm going to rob you of the privilege of being God. So he goes to Elisha, and Elisha tells the king this. He says, tomorrow, about this time tomorrow, all that you're seeing, all the craziness that you're seeing will completely be turned around. The whole economy of Samaria will be completely reversed. That now, a shekel, uh, uh, the finest flower will sell for a shekel. Barley. I'm sure all of you would want, prefer flour and barley to donkey and dove's poop. You see, the man of God had a good word for an unbelieving king. This morning, my friends, I believe that God has a good word for a group of people that may be unbelieving and may be even doubtful. God has a word for somebody in this room today. That I know you're desperate, you're going through a very difficult moment. There's a good word for you that God would speak to you. The problem is I don't know that word. What is it that God would speak to you this time in your situation, the situation that we identified? What would God say to you? What is that situation? What would God say to you at this particular moment? Elisha says, this time tomorrow. I say here that this time tomorrow for somebody, this time next month for somebody, this time next year for somebody, your relationship with your parent will be different. Your work situation will be different. Your marriage will be different. Would you hold on to God's word? You see, unfortunately, we doubt. And doubt and unbelief kills us. It has the best of us. The advisor to the king did not believe this. And so, he was filled with doubt and filled with unbelief. One, he did not believe in the power of God. He did not believe that God could actually open up the heavens. He had already fed them before with manna and stuff like that, but he did not believe that God would actually open the heavens. If God wanted, he'd have opened the heavens. He, he doubted the power of God. He doubted the creativity. He thought there was only one way that God would work. But God had other ways of being able to work. He also doubted the messenger of God. How many times do we as a people doubt that? We doubt the power of God. We doubt the creativity of God. We doubt... The messenger of God. You see, many times we've come to church and we've had many great messages from Caleb and the other people who do a great job of teaching us. But what do we do? We just take it and don't do anything about it. Today, God's word would come to you and we would say, it's a good word. About a time like this tomorrow, that situation that you're thinking about will be changed. You see, here's what doubt and unbelief does. All right? Unbelief dares to question the truthfulness of God's promise. Somebody say, so good. Unbelief says that this new thing cannot be true. Somebody say, so good. Unbelief says that this sudden thing cannot be true. Somebody say, so good. Unbelief says that there's no way to accomplish this thing. Somebody say, so good. Unbelief says that there's only one way that God can work. Somebody say, so good. You see, what happens when we have unbelief? This guy, who was the king's advisor, was trampled and did not get to enjoy what was going on. It was so tragic that Samaria, when the lepers had gone, when, 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 um, when, when God had given the people the victory, the people were caught up in their own place and did not know that there was free food for them. There was a whole land free for them. Now, we're going to read the story of the four guys. You see, God, in extraordinary circumstances like this, it's only God who would use four lepers. Let's look at the story from 2 Kings chapter 7, and look at verse 3. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we say we stay here, we will die. So let's go to the camp of the Arameans, who are the Assyrians, and surrender. If they spare us, We will live. They kill us, we die. Not too much of a choice, is it? At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled at dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was, and ran for their lives. Somebody say, so good. It's only God, in such a circumstance, that would choose four lepers, four people who were ostracized. These guys could not even stay inside the city. They had to stay at the gate because they were unclean. These guys were untouchable. These guys were sick. They were oozing with wounds and blood everywhere. These guys could only eat the food that was thrown to them over the gate. But only God would choose four lepers, to change the situation of a nation. This morning, my friends, I'm looking for four lepers. I'm looking for four lepers who will say, I know that God can use me, who will take a step of faith and step out, who have nothing to lose and step out and be able to make a difference and God can use you. You see, the lepers said to themselves, why sit we here until we die? If we go to the city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. If we go to the Aramean camp, we'll die. Not too much of a choice. Major premise... We're dying. Minor premise, we have one option. Conclusion, let's go. <laughs> Simple. I pray that today I can have a few desperate people in this audience who will say, I'm not going to sit on my situation until I die. I'm going to take that step of faith. And you see, when he talks about this, we found it sounds like a romantic, beautiful story. It's not. These lepers were injured. They have leprosy. So I'm sure they're not having a brisk, lovely walk into the park or the paved streets of Orange County. They were falling, they were getting up, they were bleeding, their sores were wounded, and they were standing up encouraging each other, you can do it, we've got one more step, let's get up. And they started moving, and slowly they started moving. They started getting from the situation that they were in, moving from the gate, and started moving. They're saying, get up, brother, you can make it, we can do it. Let's go, one more step, and step by step. And you know what happens? As they're taking their step, what God does is amazing. Here's what the story goes. It says that as they were going, God magnified their steps in such a way that the Assyrian army, the enemy who was waiting for them, heard this as a mighty army coming. They heard chariots, they heard horses, and what did they do? A hundred thousand of them fled over to the Jordan and left their camp with everything, all the spoils right there. So it was kind of like when the lepers are crawling on the dust, they're pulling themselves up. You know what God does? He magnifies their steps. So it sounds like, gigging, ch- ging Kind of like 300, the movie, huh? Yeah? It's like not something, it's like, g ching. It's like man of Sparta. You know? <laughs> something like that. But these are lepers crawling on the dirt, moving one, one another, holding each other and helping each other up. Friends, this is what God does. When we have nothing to lose, when we get to the place of desperation, we step out. And what does God do? He starts magnifying our steps. My friends, today, if somebody in here, if a leper in here will dare as much as to step out, I don't know how God will do it, but I believe that he'll magnify us. I don't know how he did it. He either put it in the Assyrians' heads or they heard sounds somewhere. He did it. But somehow, they felt like an army was going. And they fled. You see, this is what I believe, that God can be able to change your situation even as you stand up and believe. Take your first step. This is a story of faith and courage that against all odds and good reasoning, four lepers were able to change a whole nation. You see, there's a curse word. There are two curse words in America that we have. And those words are desperation and dependency. We hate being dependent. We don't even know how to be desperate. And somebody asked me, Christian, how can I be how can you help Americans be dependent? I do not know. You tell me. You see, in America, we have learned how to solve all our problems. We don't live with our problems. The rest of the people in the world, ask, you know, the people from Kenya and Sri Lanka, there they'll tell you. They just learn how to live through their problems. In America, we have a problem with that. We don't know how to be desperate or dependent. We take control. We and there's a good thing to it. But the danger is. Is that sometimes it fills us with unbelief and we're not able to take bold steps of faith. Today, this morning, I'm calling upon us to take amazing steps of faith. Dr. Ravi Zachariah says this He says that we live on the brink of mysteries and miracles that we never enter and we die with our hand on the door latch on the outside. We live on the brink of mysteries and miracles that we never enter and we die with our hands. On the dollar. In other words, that we pray and we cry for situations where we can perform where miracles can happen, but we avoid the very situations that God can perform a miracle. Today, I pray that somebody can step up and say, "I'm going to take a step of faith," and I don't know what God will do, but I pray that He can magnify your steps. You see, the only God could use four lepers. You see, Israel was powerless, and against the besieging army. But God wasn't powerless. He attacked the Assyrian army simply by causing them to hear a noise, either an army, and as a result, the siege was over just because of four lepers. You may feel powerless right now, but God does not. He's still on the throne. He's not applying for the role and the job of being God, and you're not his employer. God is still God and he's able to do some amazing things. Do you remember Moses? Moses leads the army, and he tells them, they get to the Red Sea, and he says, stand still and watch and see the salvation of the Lord. And God, and, and he says, the Egyptians you see today, you shall see them no more. Now, if you're a skeptic like me, you would have probably says, yeah, of course, Moses, I'll not see them anymore because they'll kill us. But God does not tell him to stand still. What does God tell him? Moses, what do you have in your hand? and he says a rod, and he tells tells them, take that rod, part that Red Sea, and it busts open, and they get away through that. Stand still and see the salvation of God, but God is telling you what do you have in your hand. You see, as God magnified the steps, they went into the land. As you face these things, as you face it with faith, then what happens, you realize it's not just about you. They get to the camp, they're they're eating all the food, they enjoy it, then they go and find more stuff, they go and try and hide it, and then after a while they say, what we're doing is not right. What we're doing is not right. They say, let us go back and tell the people in the city that we have found an answer and a solution for them. Four lepers with nothing to lose and now have everything to share and they have a world to confront. Four lepers who have nothing to lose and now have everything to share because of their faith and they have a world to confront. God used four beleaguered, wretched people to change and save an entire city. Here's what I believe. In the situation that you identified, God has the capability and wants to use that situation to change that situation. But after he changes it, it's not just for you. It's so that you may go back and be able to help somebody else. There is somebody in this world whose miracle is dependent on you. There's somebody in this world, in Huntington Beach, in Orange County, In America, in the United States of America, in the world whose miracle is dependent on you taking your first step. How I pray that today you can be able to step out in courage, that you can face it and face it and see what God does with it. You see, if the only result of our faith is comfort for our poor souls, then we're missing the mark. Jesus did not come to save us that we might live unto ourselves. Jesus came to save us from our selfishness, somebody say so good. You see, when you face it and face it, you have a world to confront because it's not just about you. You see, the Bible says that creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be unleashed. The world is waiting. Huntington Beach is waiting for you guys to be unleashed as an army, not a mighty army with strength and power and intellect, looking for army who are lepers, who are saying, I'm not going to sit on my situation until I die. I'm going to make that invitation for somebody to come and watch Beautiful, to be a part of our Beautiful Mess series. Somebody is waiting for you to just go and say, I don't have much, but here's what I have to, to share, for, or share with you. You see, being desperate, taking one step at a time, facing your fears every day, and God would use that to change not you, but not only you, but even the situation around You see, Courage is not the absence of fear, but the capacity to act in the presence of fear. Faith is not the absence of doubt, but the courage to believe in spite of doubt. Somebody say so good. Trust is not the absence of questions, but the capacity to move forward despite being desperate. Remember the situation we talked about? What's that one situation that today God has a good word for you? Are you going to believe or are you going to doubt? And then as you believe it, do you, are you going to be desperate enough? Desperate enough to say that I'm not going to, I'm going to step out in faith. And then as you step out in faith, what happens? God will bring the victory and the victory will not just be for you. It will be for the entire nation, for the people. We're going to respond in song and in worship. And why we sing is to sing these truths deep in our hearts. But I pray that this will be a moment for you to be able to hear God speak to you. Think of that situation. What what is the word that God would speak to you this morning? As we respond in worship, I want you to think of that situation and see how God would speak a word on that, how you'd be desperate enough. I pray that there could be one, one desperate person, one desperate leper, Who say, I'm going to take my step? And as you take the step, you shall see God deliver the enemy into your hands. And not just that you can keep it for yourself, so the world around you can be changed. Let us respond in worship. Would you stand with us?